Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hey everyone, it's Matt Morgan. Welcome back. This is episode six on the podcast and today's topic is huge. It's on the topic of overcoming anxiety. and It's such a big topic. We're actually going to spend the next two weeks just unpacking this element. And we had a person email in on the contact us page at mattmorgan.com, which you can do as well at any time and ask questions. Heidi asked this great question. She says, I've struggled with anxiety for years now, and I'm ready to proactively kick this thing in the butt without doing medication if possible. So what are some tips that would help me overcome this? Well, Heidi, if you're listening, thank you for asking the question. And again, this is a massive multifaceted topic that researchers have been studying for years. In fact, I think 66% of the population struggles with some form of anxiety, which means if this topic doesn't affect you personally, it affects someone you are personally connected to. And at this time, you know, in 2018, by now, there isn't like an exhaustive one-size-fits-all solution for everybody because anxiety manifests itself in different ways for different people. But having said that, guys, there are great solutions to practice to overcome anxiety that we can all take. It's kind of a one-size-fits-most, if you will. And so anxiety affects all of us for those who are struggling with anxiety in at least two ways, from a psychological level And then secondly, from a physiological level, from your actual body. And today, we're going to focus on the former, the psychological level. And next week, you are not going to want to miss this. You're going to want to tune in as we unpack physiological reasons for anxiety and how to overcome it. You do not want to miss that, you guys. So real quickly, though, let me just unpack the difference between anxiety and depression. Depression is that dark cloud that hangs over you when you focus on your past, where anxiety is the worry you feel regarding the uncertainty of your future. That's the difference. We worry about things we care about most, right? Which is for the majority of the population, it's one of probably a few things, right? The relationship that means the world to us. So you have anxiety maybe over, will that boy or will my husband or will this person love me in this way. Maybe for you, it's the career or work we do that brings us a feeling of significance and self-worth and a sense of contribution to the world. And for others, it has to do with our self-image, you know, and the way the world perceives us and our identity of who we are as people. And for some of us listening, you're thinking, check, check, check. I worry about all of those things, right? Well, that's because it speaks to the pillars of the biggest emotional needs we have, like love certainty, significance, growth, contributions. These are core human needs all seven and a half billion people on the planet have, but they manifest themselves in millions of different ways, right? I have a story of one of my clients. She's engaged to be married and she had all kinds of what if statements, right? Some of my clients, maybe that they play devil's advocate with themselves. She plays all these what if games in her head. Maybe this is you, right? She was thinking like, oh my gosh, what if he no longer finds me attractive when we get married? What if he cheats on me? What if I marry the wrong person? What if our personalities are too different? And what if, and what if, and what if we're not compatible? All of these things. Remember, anxiety is about worry regarding the uncertainty of the future. Worry, guys, boils down to one thing. You know what it is? Fear. 
There's a lot of different types of fear, right? There's the fear of abandonment. There's the fear of failure, you know, not being enough. There's the fear of pain, the fear of death, just to name a few. And now fear can be actually a good thing, okay? Originally, it's a coping mechanism to prepare for the worst. For example, fear protects you from touching a hot stove, right? Fear helps you engage that fight or flight response of a wild animal is approaching you. I live in Colorado, okay? We need that (laughs) fear in us when we're out in the mountains hiking or camping. But many of us, there is a line there where fear stops protecting us and starts plaguing us. And that's what anxiety does for us. It robs us of true joy, peace, and love that we all desperately want and even need. And so for one of my clients, anxiety was predicated on shame. I mean, for a myriad of circumstances that have happened in his life, I mean, he just believed the story that he wasn't enough. And so what need is that? Well, that's that self-identity, which is the ground floor of who we are. And as a result of this constant story he had of not being a good enough, I mean, he never consciously really said that. It was probably more like a proverbial 100-pound suitcase he's carrying around subconsciously with him wherever he goes, and he feels shame. You know what shame is? Shame comes from the fear of disconnection from another human being. I mean, shame occurs when we ask ourselves, is there something about me that if they knew would exclude me from being worthy of connection and love? Guys, that's where shame comes from and why it's linked oftentimes with fear that connects to anxiety. The only people who don't feel fear or shame or people who have no capacity for love and connection, which is less than 1% of the population, okay? So needless to say, this is a monumental topic that affects almost all of us. Now, let's be honest, guys. Our minds can be like bad neighborhoods. You do not want to go there alone. Tony Robbins says it this way. He says, when you're in your head, you're dead. So let's give you some practical psychological tools to get out of your head. You see, guys, research has shown that the number one way to overcome anxiety which fear and shame, you know, is predicated on, are you ready, is through vulnerability. Some of you might be thinking, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Follow me here, though. This is huge, okay? Vulnerability is defined as the willingness to take the risk of speaking your thoughts and emotions where there are no guarantees as to the outcome. (laughs) Is it any wonder why we hate vulnerability? I mean, that kind of authenticity is the exact same thing that we're terrified of And thus, we're trying to avoid the uncertainty it brings, right? Anxiety is about wanting certainty of what's going to happen, right? Will that relationship work out or that job, you know, will the world perceive me as enough? We're wanting certainty. So here's what happens for people who remain imprisoned in their own fear or shame or what if statements swirling around in their heads. They don't want to be vulnerable and talk about it. And yet, the less they talk about it, the more vulnerable they feel and the more the what-if questions produce in them more fear and more shame. Do you see the cycle? I mean, it's brutal. Let's go back to my engaged client, right? She started saying, you know, like, what if he no longer finds me attractive? What if he cheats on me? What if I married the wrong person? What if and what if? Well, all of those questions of what if underpins a bigger topic, which is that identity piece. Am I good enough? Am I rich enough? Am I beautiful enough? Am I promoted enough? Am I appreciated enough? Am I respected enough? I mean, you fill in the blank for where that ground floor of identity is for you. So here's the deal. 
Research shows that people who remain in prison in their fear and shame, they call vulnerability an excruciating experience. Now, there's a world-renowned sociologist. Her name is Dr. Brene Brown. and She has done a ton of research on this topic of vulnerability and found that it is the key to overcoming anxiety-ridden fear and shame. In her research, she actually finds that there's two types of people in the world. She boils it down to this. There's people who, A, believe they are worthy of love, and B, people who don't. People who just don't believe that. And so the people who believed they were worthy of love and connection were the ones who were able to be vulnerable and therefore experience immense breakthrough in the relationships that we all want. And the ones who didn't believe that, they stayed the same, locked in anxiety-ridden fear and shame. That was the only difference, their belief that they were worthy of deserving and belonging. Now, I just want you to lean into that statement, okay? It was their belief. So guys, the principle is, and if you're able to take notes, okay, your focus determines your future. I want to say that again because it's so powerful. Your focus determines your future. We all know this from experience, right? I mean, if I told you, hey, don't look at that screen, what's the first thing you want to do? Look at the screen, right? Why? Because that's what I'm focusing on. And in her research, Dr. Brown found that although adults with a positive childhood upbringing were able to believe that they were loved and worthy easier with strong family backgrounds, it was not limited to childhood upbringings. She found that some kids actually grew up in great homes, but still chose to believe the worst about themselves and thus stayed locked in a prison of anxiety. And the others who had a tumultuous childhood, they did the hard work of choosing to believe and rewrite their story, and they were able to actually overcome despite their circumstances. Isn't that amazing? Those people chose to see their tumultuous upbringing with a different lens. So guys, along with the change your focus and it'll change your future, here's the deal. It's this principle. You want to write it down, tattoo it on your body. It's this right here. If you change your lens, you'll change your life. If you change your lens, you'll change your life. And the people that had the sense of worthiness she found also had these two things in common, courage and compassion. Courage comes from the Latin word cur, meaning your heart. So the original definition of courage actually means to be able to tell the story with your whole heart. Isn't that cool? You know what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean that you're not afraid. It doesn't mean that you're not scared. It doesn't mean that you're not anxious, but it means you move through it anyway, honestly, but optimistically. And so these people actually had the courage to be imperfect. Even if their natural wiring on their personality assessment is like the hyper-analytical Excel spreadsheet loving container store shopper perfectionist, <laughs> like some of you are listening, right? And second, they had compassion. They had compassion to first be kind to themselves. Some of you listened to one of my podcasts that I actually just gave a few weeks ago, and it was the podcast referring to the golden rule predicated on Jesus's words. Love your neighbor as yourself. And as I said in that podcast, I've heard a lot of sermons in my day about the love your neighbor part. I don't know if I've ever had anyone talk about the as yourself part. And the truth is, you can't truly love someone if you don't start by loving yourself. And so these psychological tools that you can do to help overcome anxiety is to flip the script. 
change your lens, and you'll change your life. These people, guys, they chose to love themselves by actively, daily, probably through meditation, starting their day off that way, choosing to stop the perpetual story of what if, and what if, and what if, and what if I'm not good enough. And what they did was they wrote a new script. I'm not saying this is easy, okay? But this is what's necessary if you want to overcome anxiety. They chose to stop saying words that were just toxic, like, oh my gosh, you're such a screw up. Or why are you so stupid, ugly, fat, forgetful? And just the list goes on and on and on of the negative things we say to ourselves. And they replaced it with uplifting statements like this. I failed, but you know what? Failure is just an opportunity to begin again more intelligently. See that? Flip the script. You're not being fake. You're not saying, oh, everything's hunky-dory and fine. No, you're being honest, but you're being positive. And that's the difference. Then and only then, friends, Can you actually be able to give compassion and care to other people that you're actually wanting love with? Because as it turns out, you can't treat others with compassion if you don't start with being kind to yourself. This is the hard work, okay, of overcoming anxiety, no doubt. But this is the thing that allows people the connection with your spouse, the connection with your job or your career, that contribution as a result You have an incredible authenticity about you. And so these kind of people, they actually believe this. They believe that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. Isn't that amazing? Dr. Brown, she found out that they didn't talk about vulnerability being uncomfortable or excruciating like the other people who chose to stay locked in their fear and shame. They just talked about it as being necessary. And so they talked about the willingness to say, I love you first to your spouse Even if they're not lovable, even if you don't know the outcome, they were putting their vulnerability on the table. And as a result, their anxiety began to lessen. And that's an incredible thing. They were able to talk themselves off proverbial ledges through flipping the script. I mean, the willingness to do something where there is no guarantee. Okay, this is huge. The willingness to say, I'm sorry, even though the risk of not being forgiven. Isn't it crazy? To control and predict is probably one of our greatest desires when we have anxiety. And yet the research shows that the best way to control and predict a relationship is through vulnerability. Now imagine for a moment you have a piece of paper. And imagine with that piece of paper, a blank piece of paper, you would draw a line, a vertical line down the center of the paper. Okay, you got that image? On the left side of the paper, imagine the words fear, shame, anxious thoughts of not being worthy enough. Imagine those are the words on the left side of the page, okay? And then that line going down the middle of the page, this is the word vulnerability, okay? On the left-hand side, that's where all that anxiety-filled statements reside in us, but the vulnerability is that line down the middle, and it acts like a giant wall for a lot of us a wall that you have to go through. A lot of us try to go around, (laughs) but we can't, okay? I'm gonna share how we try to go around in just a minute. But the great news is, the research shows, is that on the other side of that wall, on the right side of the page, are words like joy, love, belonging, fulfillment, peace. You know what peace is, guys? Peace is like a complete congruency between the inner you and the outer you that you project to the world. The process to get through that vulnerability wall is courage, compassion with yourself, and a belief 
of worthiness. It's hard. Sometimes it sucks, but it leads to serenity. It's immediate struggle, but it causes lasting freedom. People who choose to stay locked in anxiety, they remain in prison and fear, and they opt for immediate freedom, which causes lasting struggle. You see, friends, to get to true love for yourself and for others, there will be pain. But, and I always say thank God for buts, (laughs) you get to decide when and how long that pain resides. People with great marriages, great relationships, great business success, they realize the pain of discipline weighs ounces, but the pain of regret, that weighs tons. So if you're listening right now and you find yourself in any way, shape, or form locked in a prison of anxiety because of fear or shame, I have good news for you. The prison doors of your cell are unlocked and you can choose to walk out today. Even if you've been in a proverbial year-long street fight with anxiety like it sounds like Heidi has been in, okay? Now to end, I want to drill down here even deeper. I just told you that the core emotions of anxiety are fear and shame, right? Well, there are core strategies we use that are often not the best strategies in trying to go around vulnerability. Here's what we do. We hide, we blame, and we control. And some combination thereof sometimes, right? Now, there are four specific ways that Dr. Brown actually shows that we hide, blame, and control. Are you ready? Here are four unhealthy strategies we use and how to overcome them. The first strategy we try to do is we numb, right? Think about it. We are the most in-debt, obese, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in U.S. history. We hate pain, and so we run, and we hide. And some of us numb through staying busy at work, and guess what? It actually does work. We don't actually feel the pain, but the problem is we don't actually feel anything. Because when you drown out fear and shame and anxiety and all those kind of things, what you do is you also drown out simultaneously love, joy, true happiness, peace, belonging. See what the problem is with numbing you guys? You can't numb the hard feelings without numbing the other emotions that are good as well. You can't selectively numb emotion. This is so important. I want to say it again so that it sticks, okay? You can't selectively say to the bad stuff, you know, here's anxiety and grief and fear and shame and disappointment and say, well, I don't want to feel those things. So I'm just going to have a couple of beers and some cookie dough ice cream. (laughs) So when we numb, we numb everything, including the joy and the happiness and the peace and the love and the gratitude and the belonging that we all want. And then what happens? We become miserable, which makes us look for purpose and meaning based on our core needs, but that makes us then feel vulnerable. So what do we do? We have another couple of beers and some cookie dough ice cream. Do you see the cycle, friends? What we need to do is think about this, why and how we numb. If you want to get away from fear and shame, you have to go through it. You can't go around it, but we try. And here's the second way we try. The second way that we try to do that is we make that which is uncertain, certain. Remember I told you earlier that the love or significance is threatened because of uncertainty. And so what we try to do to try to get more certainty, we just take over and we try to control to get more certainty. That's why you control. If you've ever said to your spouse, why are you so controlling? Well, maybe there's anxiety because of uncertainty. And yet the problem is this, anybody who's in a controlling relationship or you are the controller, the more you try to control life, 
or your spouse or a friend, what happens? <laughs> That's right. The less control you find yourself in. I mean, we control in all kinds of ways, right? Maybe for you, it's constantly checking where your spouse is at. Maybe for you, you take the mystery out of religion and you become hyper dogmatic, trying to have crystal clear answers on everything, trying to remove faith and think that it's all just logic only, which is not true, right? Maybe for you, it's obsessive cleaning of your house. Maybe it could just be flat out blaming people. Do you know why we blame, guys? Blame is one of the ways that we discharge pain and discomfort. That's why we do that. And so that's one of the strategies that we try to do. But there's also a third one. The third strategy we do is we try to perfect. We take fat from our butt and we put it in our cheeks. We control our kids, you know, even though they're hardwired for struggle and they need to learn how to struggle well and don't helicopter parent over them. But what do we do? We become demanding. We make sure they make the tennis team by fifth grade. They start applying for Yale by eighth grade, right? We become hyper-focused on our house being spotless, just to name a few ways that we try to perfect. And lastly, the fourth core strategy we do that's not helpful is we pretend. I mean, we pretend that what's going on in our inner life doesn't affect the other people we love. But guys, they're smarter than that. They can feel the tension because whatever overshadows you gets released in your shadow. What does that mean? It means that whatever's in you is going to come out of you no matter who's with you. So if you have anxiety, people feel that, okay? So pretending doesn't really work, right? And so if you're a couple that has you know, maybe never had a fight before, or maybe you've never talked about the past relationship that has affected you. Maybe you're pretending. You see, oftentimes people are like icebergs and the parts we show to the world or even to our own selves is so small compared to what's underneath the surface. And so friends, my encouragement to you in closing is this. In life, there are just really very simply two ways to live, two forks in the road to choose fear and love. That's it. What do you think anxiety is all about? It's choosing the path of fear to focus on and your focus determines your future. So my encouragement to you is to give yourself, and this is going to be a, a daily thing, an hour thing, is to give yourself a proverbial chiropractic adjustment. When you find yourself going negative, you know, or riddled with fear, you can talk yourself off the proverbial ledge. May you choose to give yourself and to choose to make decisions out of love, which is sometimes not the easy decision. Sometimes it's the hardest, most painful, most vulnerable, most uncertain decision. And yet it leads to the most joy, peace, fulfillment, and love that you're actually craving. I mean, may you allow yourselves to be seen. I mean, deeply seen. May you opt for immediate struggle that causes lasting freedom instead of the easy road of those four strategies as talked about that leads to lasting struggle. May you choose, guys, to love yourself with your whole heart so that you can have a real chance to love your partner and love other people with your whole life. I mean, may you practice gratitude and lean into joy. What a great way to start your day as a way to overcome anxiety to think about you know, it's so easy to go negative and watch your beliefs spiral into the anxiety toilet bowl. But you know what I found? I've actually found that it's impossible to be angry and genuinely grateful at the same time. I mean, if you find yourself going negative 
Lean into gratitude by stopping and just making a list of what you're grateful for. Start the day this way. Hey, these are three things that I'm grateful for. If your spouse is bothering you, if you're feeling like you're in control or you're wanting to run to entertainment for busyness or work or whatever it is, make a list of things that you're grateful for. And that will help shift the atmosphere in your own life. Gratitude changes your lens of your partner from being a burden to what they really are, which is a blessing, right? You only get one life. You get to choose how to live it, okay? You don't have to be imprisoned by anxiety. Now, you're going to want to write that down, okay? Gratitude changes your lens of your partner from being a burden to what they really are, a blessing. Because on the heels of that gratitude, you guys, is true joy. On the heels of that gratitude is you being relaxed, calm. That is the antithesis of anxiety. More grace-filled, more willing to be on the same team with your spouse, more complimenting to your spouse, less controlling, more inviting to hear what they think, which in turn, over time, will allow you to feel more safe and thus more vulnerable. That's the cycle worth getting on, okay, right away. So I want you to just ask yourself, okay, hey, what are the top three negative statements that I say to myself? Okay, what a great thing to write down. And then flip the script. Choose to change your lens and you'll change your life. And ask yourself, okay, how can I honestly but positively overcome that? Share it with a partner or a friend to help keep you accountable. And these guys are some practical, real-life psychological tools that you can use to overcome anxiety. Now, I know a lot of you probably listening and you're saying, I've tried that and sometimes it still doesn't work. And the reason for that is probably because there's some physiological elements that are getting stuck in your body and in your brain. And that is what we're going to lean into next week because I have a special guest. You're not going to want to miss it. Cheers for now, and we'll see you next week.